0: Hello, and welcome to episode 6 of the Wobcast, the Watford Observers Watford FC podcast. Today I'm joined by Jacob and Sam from WD18, the Watford fan channel. We discuss Watford's transfer business so far, what to do with players like Will Hughes and Nathaniel Chalabar as their respective contract situations continue to rumble on, and we predict who will play against Aston Villa on the opening day of the season. So, here it is my chat with Jacob and Sam from WD18. things like will he use that situation things like that because obviously that's yeah. rumbling on isn't rumbling it on.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, it's yeah. a bit frustrating actually
0: yeah i mean well yeah. it seems seems a good enough place to start what what do you make of that situation and, and what do you think should be done about it
1: you know what i actually did a video on the whole squad but then if any of the listeners saw it. it was i did a keep or sell i went through the watford squad and the big one in that video was Will Hughes because I was really torn about what to do with him. We all know he's got one year one year left in his contract. He's been absolutely instrumental, hasn't he, for the last couple of seasons. Even when we went down on Nigel Pearson, he was probably the standout player. And then even last season, when we switched to the 4-3-3, he was in that number six role. He was the key player, really, that kind of revitalised our season under Cisco Munoz. So it's one of those where I I really don't want to lose him. Me and Sam have had this discussion back and forth, back and forth. What do we do with this situation with Will Will Hughes? But I think if it gets to the point where we've offered him a five-year deal from what we're reading, he rejects it. We're almost forced to sell, unfortunately, with a year left in his deal. I think we've made the mistake before where we do let players go on a free. uh, And I don't think we can do that, Um, Mm. which would be a shame because I'm a massive fan of Will Hughes. But... If it gets to that position where we've, we've offered him all we can, um, and it financially it's probably not the best decision for the football club to keep him, then unfortunately we do have to move him on. And I actually think maybe Imran Luzi coming in was the direct replacement, potentially. A left footer can play a similar role, similar style, but I think certainly if he rejects that contract, then I think we're almost forced to sell. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? Is, is that sort of similar to, to how you feel? Yeah, it is quite similar. I
2: mean, I've said it before, but a player of Will Hughes's quality, uh, we can't let him run down his contract. And if he's not going to sign, ultimately, we have to sell because, you know, particularly in, in this environment in football and in the world, uh, you know, money is so important um, in football and you can't be letting a player of Will Hughes's quality be going out on a free. And I think it, I think that if he isn't going to sign this new contract, then as important as he is to this Watford side and, and to the squad, Into the squad itself i think it's really important that we do we do move him on uh you know obviously i really want him to sign that contract and i think it's really important that we try and get him to stay but ultimately if he believes that you know it's the time in his career where he'll be looking at clubs like aston villa who have Europa league aspirations pushing you know perhaps the top six top seven places and he thinks it's appropriate then to move on then
0: i think we should probably let him go this summer Do do you think maybe there there is a sense that he has perhaps outgrown the the club's aspirations and that maybe he should be, that's, that is the level he should be at? I think,
2: I think certainly um, he should be pushing for higher up in the league. Um, You know, obviously I'd love him to stay at Watford. If we're being realistic, I think he is probably better than us. Um, I think there's probably quite a few things going through his mind that, you know, he's a player who has had injury problems. Um, he's a player who's coming up to the prime in his career. How old is he now? 20, 25, I mean, 25, yeah, 20, yeah 26. Um, so he's entering kind of the prime area of his career. And I think that with his, you know, history of injury problems, you know, potential perhaps getting back into the England squad one day, I think if he is going to move on, now would be the time to do it.
0: What about Nathaniel Chalabar? It's, it's a more or less the same situation as, as I understand it. There is an offer there that he's... Umming and auring hasn't flat out rejected it, but again, you know, he's not exactly rushing to sign it either. Is is he another one who you think they, they should sort of cash in
1: while they can if if that's the best option? You know what I think with with Nate, it's a situation where we were close to selling, weren't we? In January, Lester came in with an mm-hmm. offer, um, and I think we had to keep him at that point. But I think that actually just shows both of the players' quality. With Hughes getting linked with uh, Aston Villa, with Chalobah getting linked with. Uh, Leicester City these guys are, are really top players and if they go into that last year their contract they're going to get offers so it's no surprises really that Chalibur has got these offers but I think again it's, it's as you said Ryan it's a very similar situation where if we can't tie them down to a deal unfortunately we almost have no choice now I'm actually quite confident that Chalobah will stay from what we've heard over the years of course when he was on loan under Jan Franco's earlier in 2012-13 since that point he's had a real affection for the football club I think even Nigel Pearson said it uh, after that away game at Bournemouth where we won 3-0, where he was like, this guy's got a real affection for the football club. So I don't think it'll be a case of him forcing a move. I don't think with, with Chalabria it'll be a case of that. It's just whether a team like Leicester City does come in, who has European aspirations or are in the Europa League, that um, they've they, they probably got higher aspirations than Watford. Similar to similar to the Hughesy situation where with the last year on their contract, Watford are in a really difficult situation, um, there's going to be, as, as I said, there's going to be clubs who are going to be interested in both of those guys. So it's it's actually kind of a bit of a compliment to Watford that we have two, two players who are, are, are really, really good Premier League players. Um, but I'm confident, I'm actually confident that Chalobah will stay. I'm less confident about Will Hughes, if I'm completely honest, but I think with Chalibur's connection, not only with the football club, but with the supporters as well, I could see him staying for this season. I don't know about Sam, but yeah, I'm confident on that one. No, I do agree. I think I think Chalobah definitely
2: is the more likely to stay out of the two. Um, I feel like under Cisco Munoz, um, feel like uh, Cisco's put an arm around him and he's kind of found a new lease of lease of life in this Watford side. I think, you know, a lot of fans questioned what he really does in this side, but you only really, really noticed. I mean, for me at least, I really noticed his absence when he missed a couple of games through injury uh, in the last ten games or so. And that's when I was like, this guy is really important to this Watford side now. And I feel like while it will be more difficult for him in the Premier League, I feel like he could have a similar impact to what he had in the Championship on this Watford side. And I feel like he needs Watford as well as Watford needing him. Um, I feel like we gave him a lifeline in his career. We stuck by him throughout his when he had that uh, knee injury uh, in his first season back in 17, 18, I think it was and i feel like that loyalty i'm confident that he'll want to repay that and hopefully sign a new contract i can understand why he's assessing his options particularly with the interest from from leicester in january which didn't materialize into anything um but i do think he will
0: uh, sign a new contract It's, it's interesting though isn't it particularly the way the market is at the minute when there are players who are entering that final year of the contract that clubs maybe look at them when they might have been put off before just because they are
1: available for, for sort of more of a bargain price I guess than they than were before. Yeah no I, exactly that and I think another kind of caveat to add to the Chaliba situation I think well him and Cusy, they're both real leaders in the dressing room I think we know that particularly as Sam mentioned last season with with Chaliba you could tell the difference when he when he was given the captain's arm plan. I don't know whether something just switched with Nathaniel actually it was that kind of weight of the captain's arm we saw different sides of I think it was that Birmingham game at home where he scored the header and I thought that was probably up there for performance of the season I mean he was absolutely exceptional so again that's another dimension to add to the situation is if we do lose both of them we're losing two good characters to have inside the dressing room and two players who understand the football club and that's definitely something to consider but if they want to move on then unfortunately we would have to let them go but I'm confident with Chala, but less confident about Husey, as I've said before. Um, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, both of them stay anyway.
0: Three players who it looks nailed on will be will be leaving up. Stipe Perica, Isaac Success and possibly Andre Gray, although, you know, it's the age old question with Andre Gray, who will pay for him. Um, but would, would you keep any of those three or, or happy enough to see them head out? Um. For me, I mean,
2: I think I wouldn't say Andre has been underrated, but I feel like there are certain moments that fans have treated him unfairly in those situations. I look at some absolutely crucial moments that he's provided us with, that goal against Crystal Palace in the FA Cup quarter final, the last-minute goal against Leicester and a few others as well. Um, but I do think it is the right time for, for Andre Gray to move on. I don't think, looking back on the £18 million or so that we spent on him, it's probably one that... It won't go down as one of the best potso signings in history uh, by any stretch. Um, but, you know, that, that's no hard feelings towards Andre. But I do feel like it's important that we do get rid of all three, particularly with the striker situation at the moment. We could feel, you know, we could feel 11, 11 strikers on the pitch on the first day of the season. Um, and, and that's the reality of it. And, and if we're looking at the wage bill as well, I think it's important that we, that we manage these players and, and get them and move them on. Um, but obviously wish them all three wish, uh, all three of them the best of luck in the future. Um, Peritza was only one season, but all three of them have been good servants to the football club, been here for a few years now, Success and, uh, and Gray. Um, but yeah, I do think it's time to
1: move them on. The situation with those three guys is where will they end up? I think we all know they probably will move on. Um, Andre Gray, obviously you do have the wage factor. I don't know what he's on specifically per week, but we know it's at the higher end of the, the squad. Um, so who can who can who can actually afford him unless he's he's willing to take a, a, a big pay cut? We you know Middlesbrough have shown an interest, and I think the championship is probably Andre's level, and that's no disrespect to him. But I think to get game time week in week out, the championship will probably provide him with that opportunity. I think with Steepay ritter again, I think the, the problem with Steepay is just injury problems, as Sam mentioned. It's just been I feel really sorry for Steepay actually because I remember there was a phase last season where I actually thought he was probably our best striker. His movement off the ball was good. Popped up with a couple of good goals. Um, I think Barnsley have shown an interest, haven't haven't they, this summer? So that's potentially one to watch. Um, And then with our success, you know, I could see with Isaac, I could see him going to Udinese. I think we could potentially use that option. Um, And we could potentially use that option for all three of those guys if there are no potential suitors. But as Sam said, we we do need to move these guys on. Again, nothing against them. But this striker situation is ridiculous in terms of how many... I mean, we're here for ages going through every single strike we have the football club and I'd imagine a couple mm-hmm. of will go out on loan but we need to rectify that quickly before the start of the season because the last thing we want to have is to have a big squad and then come the first game of the season we've got, I don't know, nine players training on their own. We want to really trim that squad down before the first game of the season to get it to that 25 with maybe a couple of extras rather than, what, 34, 35 that we have at the moment. So, yeah, it's, it's a situation that we need to need to deal with.
0: With, with Andre, he's, a, he's another one entering that final year of his contract as well, so could go on a free at the end, if if nothing. And you wouldn't expect the club to offer him a new deal at this point, I wouldn't have thought. And how do you think that transfer will be assessed overall from... You mentioned that sort of really high transfer fee that he came in for. Has he done enough to justify that that fee, do you think? I think, for me at
2: least, I feel like, as I
0: said, I feel I feel like he's been unfairly
2: treated by certain Watford fans. I think one thing that i can take out of andre gray's time at watford so far is that he never gives less than 100 i think he always you know gave his gives his absolute all running for every ball and trying his absolute hardest i think the main thing was confidence uh his confidence problem with andre when he was you know he had that kind of period where he was coming off the bench and having a massive impact on games uh i remember fulham at home when we won 4-1 and we brought Andre off the bench, uh, I think probably at halftime or just after that. And we scored three goals with him involved in all three of them. So I feel like he he has had a massive impact on certain games. But on the whole, I don't think it has been what we would have wanted. Uh, I think we looked at him as a kind of a, a long-term source for goals. And that never really materialised into anything. But I think, you know, it's a difficult one to assess because there are certain moments there that, I look back really fondly on, but overall not been, you know, too impressive, I'd say.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, with Andre, it's, it's one, Ryan, that will always split opinion because there'll be some, some supporters who will say we shouldn't have made the transfer in the first place. It was a bit of a panic signing. And then there'll be other fans that will say that actually, you know, he, as Sam said, has put in 100% and has done his best. Unfortunately, sometimes that hasn't been quite enough. I'm I'm very much in the middle with Andre because I do feel sorry for him in the respect that ultimately it's not his fault that the transfer fee was what it was and I think we can all all agree that it probably was above what his actual worth is you know he, of course he's an english striker who had premier league experience so ultimately that is going to acquire a certain certain fee but I think Watford did have well the, the fee was was more than I think we should have probably paid for for Andre but again that isn't his fault so he's always going to have that tag carry him the the one thing for me with Andre is the, he scored some big goals for Watford. As Sam mentioned, that Crystal Palace goal, we'll, you know, we'll always remember that one really because that ultimately got us one of the best games I've seen seen live anyway. Watching Watford in that that Wolves game, and he was instrumental in that actually as well. I think it was mm-hmm, the pass yeah. to Dela Delafoe, yeah. De La Feu, way, yeah. So. so that that's that's something. Though, those sort of moments do get forgotten, um, but also I think as Sam mentioned, his contribution probably overall for the price tag hasn't been good enough. So I'm, I don't want to sit on the fence here, but I'm, I'm going to have to because I, I, I think ultimately the, the transfer fee isn't his fault. And that that's always carried him through his Watford career, but he hasn't lived up to the expectations even then to what it's worth, but has produced some key moments. So I wish and Andre all the best. I think if he can get a real run in the side, I think that, again, that's another thing to mention. He hasn't had, you know, he, I can't really remember where he had a real run in the in the in mm. in the first eleven, like I think it's always been chop and change. And actually, when we saw the best of Andre it was as an impact substitution, you know, coming off the bench and scoring some vital goals, as I mentioned. So, yeah, I, I, it's been a, been a difficult spell for him, but wish him all the best. And as Sam said, he's always given a hundred percent for the football club.
0: Another one who success was expensive, as relatively, and you know, twelve twelve million around that mark they paid for him. That's. That's one you you would say that hasn't really been repaid, yeah, definitely. um we've always had those
2: kind of moments with success, um where we're like right now this is where this is where we why we paid the money. um, I think the best example of that was Middlesbrough away under Walter uh, We uh one one nil, uh, I remember Jose Holabasco, an absolute screamer that day, um but Isaac's success was absolutely brilliant, bullied defenders completely stretched them. And except for that, I can't really think of any other notable moments. There was that Tottenham away game at Stadium MK, where, uh, towards the start of the season, where we were like, this this guy could be absolutely massive for us. But he never really kicked on. Um, and I'd say it's probably quite fitting that uh, perhaps his last game for Watford was that Swansea game where he's called that absolute screamer, where you're kind of asking the questions, what if he'd done this all season? And I find that quite fitting for his whole Watford career, where We've mainly been asking with Isaac, what if he stayed fit? Uh, what if he got his head down? What if he nailed down the place in the starting eleven? So, I think it is definitely the right time to move him on. Definitely wasn't worth the £12 million, Twelve million, but as I say, he's been around for quite a few years now. A good servant, seems to have been quite a good, uh, quite a good uh, character in the dressing room, so wish him all the best.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that sounds, again, kind of epitomised Isaac uh, Cess's career at Watford, just... Never really got going, but showed glimpses of promise. I think that that game at Stadium MK was the one game where I looked back on it and I thought, I think he bullied Toby Alderweireld that game. Yeah. And you thought to yourself, right, this guy could be really good for us, but he just hasn't really got going for him. And I know he's been linked with so many championship moves during his time at Watford, even going going back to Spain, uh, online, I think Malaga at one point were, were linked. So... He just hasn't been really been part of any manager's plan, and I guess that's the one thing with Watford system with the with the change with the change with managers that we've seen over the past few years is that there's a reason why he maybe hasn't been fancied by pretty much every single manager. And I think you do what we do have to look at that. There's been players who, for example, have played played more under certain managers. I think Holobas is a prime example. Didn't play under Kike, but under under Walter Matsari, played played a lot more. Became a cult hero under Javi Garcia. They get their opportunity at some point, but our success for some reason just never got his opportunity. I don't know why. Whether it's an attitude thing, whether it's whether it's off the pitch stuff, I'm I'm not too sure. Or maybe he just isn't good enough for the football club. I think it's probably a combination of things. But uh, as Sam said, the, the twelve million pounds again hasn't been really hasn't been repaid, um, and his yeah his his Watford career just really didn't get going. But if you look at the stats, I mean, you played fifty games for us in the league and scored fourteen goals, and it's quite mad to think he has played 50 games for us in the league. Um, yeah, that is, considering he's been here five years, it doesn't, it doesn't feel that many, but yeah, ultimately, it just hasn't really really paid off that one.
0: Along with success and, and grey, there's Penuranda who's gone out on his sixth loan. You'd expect that to be sort of a similar situation once he's winding down his contract. You look at the players that are coming in, it's, there's definitely a change of tax there, isn't there? And a, a change of approach with the types of player they're bringing in and certainly the the fees that they're handing out for for these players? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like
2: their hand was pushed in a certain way due to the circumstances in the world, Um, you know, the the pandemic, Brexit, all of that. And when we discussed this at the start of the window, when we were linked with quite a few of these young players from Scotland in particular, um, I think that's died down a little bit, but I feel like they are gonna kind of look for more I know he's gone, but Ben Wilmore-esque sort of deals where we can get these young players from the lower leagues, development, develop them and sell them on. I um, feel like that's a prime example of that. This window is Matty Pollock, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also looking more and more into the free agent market. And perhaps our finances are, are the reason for that at the moment, because we made a loss and because of the difficulties uh, of not having fans in the stadium for a whole year. But certainly the approach has changed. We're going back to, to our roots and our DNA of giving players a chance who actually want to be at the football club. And I'm all for that. Um, I, I did think we lost our way a certain bit, as Scott Duxbury said. Um, we going for certain players that are ultimately weren't Watford players. and And we've gone back to our roots and what we really need to develop as a football club. And I'm certainly happy with that.
1: Yeah, agree, agree with Sam. I don't want to sound like I keep echoing his points, <laughs> but no, I, I, like, I, I do agree with him. I think when you look at the signings that we've brought in this window with uh, Matty Pollock, Emmanuel Dennis, uh, Josh King, Ashley Fletcher, Danny Rose, it's a different type of um, type of mould of play that we're bringing in, I think. Um, Imran Luz is probably the standout one so far, the, kind of the marquee signing. I guess the only concern I have maybe going into the the New season is maybe a bit, maybe a lack of experience. I think we can maybe bring in a couple of bullies who have a bit more Premier League know how. I know that's very maybe a little bit old school, but I just think to com- combine the youth with the likes of Pollock and, and Dennis and even Dapa Mabude, Quadro Bar, etc. Cucho Hernandez, another one, he's almost like a new signing for Watford. Mm-hmm. I think if we can combine that youth with some, some experience with the likes of Troy, Cleverly, Dan Gosling, etc. I think Watford have got a really, really good squad for next season, quite a well-shaped squad. But in just going back onto your point, Ryan, um, we have we have changed the approach. And I think Matty Pollock, as Sam said, is a similar mould to Ben Wilmot. Emmanuel Dennis seems like a little bit of a calculated gamble by Watford because we've seen glimpses of him for Club Rouge. And there's been some attitude problems and we've heard some stories already about him, Jose Holabas-esque in that mm-hmm. respect. Uh, it seems like a bit of a calculated gamble. And I think Joshua King could prove to be a really smart signing by Watford. You know, at Bournemouth, the only reason really it fell off for him was when Manchester United were linked and his Bournemouth career went down a little bit. And obviously they, they blocked, they blocked um, the move to Manchester United. And a lot of Everson fans said they were, re- he was really good for them and just wasn't fancied by Ancelotti. So, I think Watford have done pretty well in the market, and if we can get the best out of Danny Rose, um, Peter Etibe could be a clever signing. So, if but if buts some maybes, but but looking looking at what we've got at the moment, I'm I'm pretty pleased. I just think we can maybe add some a couple of experienced heads in there.
0: That's that's my my chief concern. I think is looking at the players that have been brought in. You'd you'd put them all in the category of if they can play to their best or if they can rediscover their form, and. You know they all do seem there is an element of risk, particularly with those attacking players you would you would say, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I personally
2: trust the potsos I feel like a lot of these players that that we've signed over the years have been if players. um and while a lot of them haven't worked out, a lot of them have um while it's kind of not the same mold as the players we bought in this window, we bought in certain young players who we put faith in them, and there's there was absolutely no guarantee that they'd hit the ground running. But I look at players like. Uh, like Richardson, like De La Feu, like Jean-Pedro even this season. We put faith in these players, which massive, massive risks at the time. Um, and, and they did so well. De is another one. Um, and, and I feel like it's another it's another risk that the Pozzos are willing to take. Um, as I said, probably because their hands have been pushed due to the climate of the world at the moment. But I have complete faith in them um, that, you know, as they say, they're going to rediscover our roots and our DNA as a football club and and we'll go again this season.
1: Yeah, I think, I think the point about us signing players with a, with a point to prove is, is, is an interesting one. Because I think since we gone well, since we came back to the Premier League in 2015-16, the pull for Watford was giving these players an opportunity. I think the big one for Watford, that was probably the biggest success story of probably Decore and Capu in that respect. Kapu was almost like a, yeah, he was pushed to the side at Tottenham, wasn't really rated... Um, was part of those seven or eight signings that came in for the Gareth Bale money and just didn't just didn't really work for him and he came to Watford and became arguably one of the most underrated midfielders I think in Premier League history I think what he what he gave to Watford was remarkable and was that marquee signing so I almost see Joshua King in the same mould as that where they've been they've had they've been given opportunities they've been pushed to the side and, and Watford's giving them the platform for a point to prove and Watford's Watford's model really is to give these guys an opportunity and potentially get them a move to a big club. that That's attracted the likes of and Hernandez, João Pedro, et cetera. So the young players know what they can get out of joining Watford. Richarlison is another kind of um, a blueprint of what what can happen to the young players. And then you have the likes of Joshua King who and, and the likes of Emmanuel Dennis and Imran Luzer where they can get the platform to kind of not, maybe Imran Luzer is not the, the right person to put in that category he did well at nonce, but Joshua King is kind of, gone off the radar a little bit, Emmanuel Dennis, gone off the radar, Peter Etebo, Danny Rose, I think is probably the biggest example of that. And Watford and Ashley Fletcher, these guys all have a point to prove Watford. So I I understand the concern, Ryan, and I also do agree that I think we need to kind of mix those players with a few more, maybe, not reliable is the wrong word, but we kind of know what we're getting from them, the likes of a Craig Cathcart, etc., who are are so consistent. But if we can find the the right blend, then I think Watford... could be, could be the surprise package, I think, this season. A lot of teams, are, a lot of people are writing this off, but it is a nice balance to the squad at the minute.
0: Yeah, o- overall, are, are you pleased with the, the business that's been done so far, or was there areas of, of concern or areas that you think need more investment? Um,
2: I think I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm content at the moment with it. Um, I feel like I will be happier... Once a few names have moved on, a couple that we've spoken about today, and I feel like a couple of players uh, still need to be brought in. I look at if Hughes and Chalobah do move on, I feel like the midfield situation will, will need to be addressed. Um, uh, a couple of other areas, in particular, I feel like we could do with another centre back and perhaps a uh, you know I know and perhaps another winger as well. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. Where that goes this this window, but it's important as well that we do try our best to keep hold of the likes of Will Hughes, Chalupa, it's Sarr as if they all want to be here as well. Um, so, yeah, I would say I'm
1: content, but there's still work to do. I think. Yeah, it's it's mad to think that we've made t- ten signings this window, and, and then, mm. sorry, nine nine signings this window, and Kucho does feel like a, another signing as well. So, Watford have been busy in this market. I think because they're young, there's some young players in there, the likes of Pollock Quadro, Bar. Dapo Abude, they kind of go under the radar a bit because they probably won't go straight into the first team. But Watford have been busy in this market, so overall, I'm I'm happy in that respect. But I think actually, Brian, the big question for me is who's going to go out the door because I think there could there's still question marks. I think over the maybe the likes of Zinkanagel, um, you know, as we as we mentioned about Chalobah, will Hughes, Andre Gray, are a success um, potentially loan for Deli Bashiru. There's a lot of players actually. I think. The big thing for me over the, the coming weeks and before the start of the season is who is going to get a move elsewhere because we do really need to trim the squad um, because I don't think we can really be carrying, I guess, passengers in the first season First season back uh, in the Premier League. So I think it's a case of stripping down the squad. We need to probably get rid of, what, seven, eight players, really, to get down to the 25-man squad, which is quite a task in the time we've got remaining. So overall, so far, content with the business, some, some good signings in there. And I think signings that could prove to be prove to be good business. Um, but for me, the, the big the big situation now is the two contracts of Chalabra and Hughesy. what's happening there? And then also, can we trim the squad down and maybe give, yeah, and, and move players on and, and send players out on loan? I think that's the big task for Watford for the rest of the window. Yeah, Zinkernagel,
0: that's uh, an interesting one. There's been that approach from Forrest, they're uh, keen to take him on loan. Would, would that be an oversight to let him go or, or is he... Is, is he up to Premier League standard or do, do you think he just hasn't been given the time, especially having arrived from a full season in Norway as well? It was a lot to expect for him to be firing on all cylinders after he arrived, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it's a really difficult one with, with Phillips and Canago. Um I, I really want him to stay personally. I feel like he's better suited to the Premier League where perhaps we will have some more time on the ball. Have uh, more time to assess his options. Um, I feel like we saw glimpses in the championship of, of what Phillips Inkinagel is all about. Uh, best example of that is Rotherham away uh, when we won four-one, and I think he got three assists or something, something like that. Um, but the, but there were some games where where he wasn't good enough, and you could say he was a passenger in the side and wasn't getting stuck in enough. Um, so I am on the fence with how good Phillips Inkinagel will be for us, but I feel like it's too early to write him off, and I'd want to see how he does in the Premier League. Perhaps wait until January, and if things aren't working out, then perhaps look at a loan move or, or moving him on permanently. But certainly, with the numbers that he got in Norway and the glimpses that we saw last season, I think
1: we do need to give him another chance in the Premier League. I'm, I'm, I'm a massive fan of Philip. I think he's he's a player who, as as Sam mentioned, could be even better. I think in the Premier League, we saw glimpses, didn't we, last season with with some of the assists, and he technically looks like a brilliant player. Just think, maybe sometimes with his physicality that. That that's going to take adapting, and I think again another thing to mention is he did come in in January, and it does take time for players to adapt, particularly coming across from a different from a different country, from a different league, different tempo. Um, I think I think the big again big frustration with Philip is probably getting a regular run in the side, and if Watford can't guarantee him that, then arguably a move out on loan to the Championship might do him the world of good. But also, I do think that he could be a real asset for us in the Premier League. Number one, he's a set piece taker. Number two, he's technically gifted. And number three, his positioning in terms of he could play right, he could play left, and he could play in the middle. So that is a real asset for Watford. And I think it would be a shame to not have him in and around the squad this season. I just think maybe if Watford can't offer him regular first team football in the Premier League, then he does have to look elsewhere. And I know um, when we spoke to Philip, he was a very, um, we spoke to Philip on, on WD 18 a very driven individual and I think I got the impression that yeah he he's 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 got kind of got tunnel vision when he came to Watford actually coming over from Boda and Glimpse so I think he'll want to be playing regular first team football in the Premier League and if as I said if Watford can't guarantee him that then I could see him leaving online.
0: Fair enough. Well it's been it's been great chatting um before you go I'd like you to predict who you think is going to be in the starting lineup for that home game against Aston Villa obviously there's been a, a lot of a lot of changes so what formation are we going with Ryan? What's the formation? Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say with it being Cisco Munoz, it's probably gonna be 4-3-3. Okay. It worked so well for him last season. I, I can't see him from from what I gather, I don't think he has many intentions of changing that. Um so I mean goalkeeper's probably quite an obvious one.
2: Yeah batman in yeah. goal for me. I think the uh, yeah, batman in goal and I feel like the back four on the first day will be the same back four that we ended with last season. Um, I think it will be Messina, Troostakong, Sierra Alta and Kiko Femenia. Um, I don't think Daniel Rose will be fit enough for the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. If he is, I imagine he'll start, but I can't imagine he'll be fit for the first few weeks. Troostakong is an interesting one um, because I, uh, he's another one I feel like will be better suited to the Premier League where he'll have less of the ball at his feet and he can do more of the defending side that he's more comfortable with. Um, mm-hmm. If we bring another centre back, then perhaps he could be replaced. By, I think it'll be the
1: same back four that we ended with last season. Yeah, yeah. completely, completely agree with that. Um, I, I, I agree on Truce to Kong as well because I'm, I'm a massive fan of truce. I think again, another player off the pitch, really well spoken, gets the football mm. club, just a real leader as well. And if he can play regular f- first team football for us, that would be yeah, a, a big asset. And I think the, you know, actually Watford in terms of our defences. Actually, probably one of the strongest we've... I know we haven't played any Premier League football with this back line yet, but on paper, I'd say probably one of the strongest we've had in recent times. Um, you know, we've even got the back of Jeremy Gakia who can come in as well. Um, so, I think we... Um, Craig Cathcart who can fill in. So, we've got we've got options there. I think that back four of Kiko, Sierra Alta, big season for him, Trooster Kong, Adam Messina will probably be the back four. Um and then it's the midfield. What's happening there? <laughs> so, yeah, the midfield, the midfield oh, the toughest. Is, is, well, is, is the midfield tougher to predict
0: than the than the strikers because you know yeah. you don't know who's gonna be there, but then the strikers, there's there's hundreds think, of them. I think I think it I think it's
2: this is the most difficult one for me. I've gone in the three. Um I think Will Hughes will move on, um, and I think Nathaniel Chalaba will stay. So I think the three will be Imran Loser, Nathaniel Chalabar and Tom Cleverley. Um, I think Cleverley is really important to this Watford side, um, even in the Premier League where, you know, perhaps he's not the most technically gifted player, but he sets the tempo, he's disciplined, he's experienced and he's a massive leader as well. And same goes for Nathaniel Chalaber. If we can get him playing the football that he was playing towards the end of last season, he'll be so important for us. And it'll be good to see how Imran Loser does as well um, in that kind of Will Hughes role. If Phil Hughes does stay, then I think it will be
1: him over uh, over Nathaniel Chalaber, though. Yeah, my midfield three. Uh, in the number six role, we'll go for Chalaber. Uh, on the left of him, Imran loser, and then on the right, a rotation between Cleveland and Gosling, I think. I think both of those guys can do a similar role. So, if, I think that'll probably be the three come the start of the season, unless there's a, um, probably a big incoming that, that comes in the, the mm-hmm. three. I'm, I'm the same as Sam. I know this is probably a bit boring for the listener me just echoing what Sam's saying, but <laughs> yeah. I, do, I, I do genuinely believe Fusey will move on, unfortunately. I think with a year left in the contract with Villa interested to move back to the Midlands, just kind of all makes sense, doesn't it, really? Um, I think Chalobah will stay. And I'm, I'm confident with that. I think Chalobah will stay. I think it's a big season for Imran loser. Uh, from what I've read up about him, he's... Highly rated, there were a few. I think there were a few Premier League clubs interested in him, um, but yeah, very highly rated player, and I think that could be a good signing for Watford. Um, big season of him, and then it's I guess his rotation, as I said, with Cleverly and Gosling, who I think will go under the radar a bit in terms of maybe Gosling of what he could add to us in terms of just big goals. Um, mm-hmm. We saw it last season away in Norwich, literally the goal to send us yeah, up. So. Yeah. He, he's he's someone who could be who could be valuable for us particularly off the bench when you need 20 minutes 20 minutes to burn Gosling come on all cleverly in that rotation because they're similar similar molder player could be yeah it will be effective Watford I think
0: and then with the front three if he's if he's fit you'd say Sars probably starting on the right but then the, the the other two options are maybe a bit of a free-for-all aren't they
1: yeah yeah, yeah Uh, I'll let you go first, Jacob, because I've gone first. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is really difficult. Um, This is, you know what, Ryan, just to to caveat this. This is why I actually don't think we'll play a 4-3-3. The only reason I I think with Joshua King coming in, I think he could be really effective in a two. And I think him and Troy could could work quite well, actually. So that's definitely something to to bear in mind. But if we're going for a three, (laughs) I think, you know what? I think we've we've got to play, I think, uh, so we'll go Sa on the right. On the left, I could see, I could see Emmanuel Dennis actually. But then also you've got kucho Oh, so you throw me under the bus, and then you got shower. Oh, this is difficult. Got, Ken, got, I got Ken. Ken Semmer as well to think about. Wow, um, that is tough. Right, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to go. Sar, Troy, Semmer. How oh, my three?
2: I'm, I've gone Sa King, and Dennis. Um, I think it will be a toss-up between King and, and Troy. Um, I, know, I know Troy isn't as good in, in up top by himself, but uh, he, he does kind of, particularly when we spoke to him, he seems so determined for next season. And he's even better when he's got a point to prove. And I feel like with his leadership and the experience that we'll need next season with what is kind of a mixed side, with half of it's got Premier League experience, half of it doesn't. I feel like Troy could be really
0: important next season. So a toss-up between him and Josh King. The boy's going to be there. it will be tomorrow. By the time this goes out on. On, on on Saturday, you're
2: going to be at the Vic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm there. I'm buzzing. I'm so excited. For, <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be a weird experience of a pre-season friendly where people will be. I don't think there'll be as much anticipation leading up to a friendly in a what for a Watford <laughs> match as as this with the the going back to Vicarage Road, but. You and know, just seeing Cisco, like weeks. we haven't even met him yet. Yeah, exactly. That'll <laughs> yeah. be it. It'll be, it'll, it'll be brilliant. Um, we'll probably get to see a lot of different formations tried out. Um, I imagine there'll be a lot of changes throughout the game. So it's going to be a really interesting game on Saturday. Same goes for the Barnsley game, and obviously less than four weeks now until the Aston Villa game as well. So it's all coming around quickly. A lot of business for Watford still to do in the window. So it's an ex- exciting few weeks to be a to.
0: Thanks very much to Sal and Jacob for kindly giving up their time to appear on the podcast. You can find them on Twitter at WD18Fans. They're also on YouTube, where they have some terrific videos, including great interviews with players like Troy Deeney and Phillips Zinkernagel that are well worth a watch, so be sure to check those out. Go on YouTube and search for WD18. Uh, in the meantime, there's a match this weekend against West Bromwich Albion, so finally some football for me to talk about with next week's guest. Uh, I'll hopefully see you at the same time next week. For now, as always... Thanks for listening and for any other Watford FC news, you can go to www.watfordobserver.co.uk.